Yeah. this year yes i don't even know what the <laughs> history behind it is but then again i'm brown all i really care about is um the free candy that i can collect in my teflon boxes and serve to my guests for the next one year um no that's not true i'm just joking um welcome to another episode of the lavender fix podcast i'm your host sabrine hazik and today i have with me someone really badass on the show she is a mom and a lawyer turned award winning screenwriter and stand up comedian highlighting the immigrant and american experience with her own signature style She has performed for sold-out audiences at top clubs across the country, and you can find her each month at the famous Carolyn's on Broadway um, with her hit show "My American Dream." What is particularly um, awesome about her is that she proudly represents brown women on numerous. platforms and has recently taken uh, i would say broken tiktok by storm with her latest comedy videos gaining more than 13 million views and counting holy shaista i don't even know how that's possible um please welcome none other than zarna garg on the show one of the few indian female comedians worldwide and quite possibly the only one who publicly takes on her mother-in-law yep hi zarna welcome home Hi Sabrina, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise. I mean brown woman to brown woman, I am so excited. Like I honestly like my first question is in fact that why did you say yes to the lavender fix? Cuz I just honestly wa- wasn't expecting it. I totally felt like and I still do feel like you're so out of my league. Uh so that's question number 1. Uh and question number 2 is who the hell designed your website? It is amazing. So first of all there is no league all women are in one league as far oh. as I'm concerned and all men who support women are in our league also yep the only people not invited are people who don't support women yeah. and why am i here because you're trying to create something and i want to do whatever i can to help you thank and you and to be a part of it thank and to you. be a part of it i love being part of uh, other women's initiatives and and to transition to your next question My website is designed by an Indian woman, yes. a friend of mine who is also a web designer. Her name is Kanika Chadda Gupta. Uh she runs an amazing web design company and she has a very amazing mom uh podcast called That's Total po- Mom Sense. Oh yeah, I've heard about so, that. Yeah, it's cool. it's very popular. She is so gifted. and uh, you know she not only designed my website but she also rebranded uh, my my brand that used to function under the funny brown mom name mm-hmm. and kind of helped me become more global and helped me become more more appealing to people not just looking for a mom comedian mm-hmm. it is fantastic i mean i was really really impressed i looked at that and just the dynamics and you know the different especially like your life storyline that was amazing it's so quirky it's so cool um no it was like a proud moment for me when i saw your website and just 
the way that you are and yeah um but zarna i came across your videos a few months ago uh, and my heart was bursting with pride you know so thank you for putting brown women and the potential they carry on the map um before we proceed on to the 10000 questions <laughs> that i have lined up for you um who is zarna garg and where the hell did she come from Okay so Zarna is your resident neighborhood auntie if you have a nosy auntie in your life that's some version of me uh-huh. you know i came from a normal life of ups and downs victories struggles tragedies you know i grew up in india i was born and raised in india till i was 16 years old and then i kind of moved to new york under actually america not directly new york america mm-hmm. to live with my sister uh under very like you know tumultuous circumstances mm-hmm. and since then i've pretty much been in america so wow it's 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 like every life it ha- it has its own unique ups and downs and moments mm-hmm. and and yeah. out of like curiosity and this is like i am totally jumping questions here but i'm i'm sorry i'm just like really excited uh where does your uh, passion for comedy stem from and have you always had a stand up streak in you So you know I honestly didn't know that stand up comedy was a job like mm-hmm. as in a real job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my whole life people told me you're so funny. You're so funny. Everywhere I went the word would haunt me. Because wow. I wouldn't know what to do with it. Like what do you do with funny? Somebody says you're great with math, you know you can do something with that. Uh-huh. You know somebody says you're a great cook, you know you can do something with that. Yeah. I never knew what to do with funny. Yeah. So I googled jobs for funny people in March <laughs> of last year because I was like maybe Google knows they seem to know everything. Yeah. And that's what got me started and here we are in 2020. And I think that just the culture that we come from a lot of the southeast asian parents you know the mindset is also very you know you have to get a mainstream job you know so stand up i i don't think it's in their peripheral view at all you know um forget like the nucleus of what they think a perfect career is so i totally hear you i mean i wouldn't be surprised like if i felt the same way um and yeah but like there is a certain level of confidence it takes to put yourself out there like that um now you mentioned that you know all your life people have Uh, said to you that you're really funny and i'm pretty sure that before you kick started your uh, comedy stint that you had a i'm i'm making an educated guess here did you have a different life what were you like before entering the world of comedy so i um i have a you know as regular or as a unique life as any other single person every life is interesting on its own mm-hmm. right uh but i was always the person who was questioning a lot about our culture and our norms in a funny way like i would see things and be like why is it like this mm-hmm. that i've done my whole life so i've never been a comedian but but observing observing people observing the nuances of our culture is just comes naturally to me mm-hmm. uh, and making funny connections between them you know like indian clothes don't make any sense to me <laughs> there's so much bells and whistles it's almost like you're wearing a christmas ah, tree you're killing you know me. My whole life I've wondered about it like why are we hanging so much gold and shit all over these clothes and then yeah. you have to walk around and function and the dupatta that's just hanging there for no reason <laughs> you know by the way I completely appreciate the people who love that stuff yeah. I just like to consider all the possibilities of why it is the way it is I that's agree all. 
I wear Indian clothes too. So it's not that I don't. I don't have anything against them. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think my, my whole life was about like observing things and thinking, yeah. why is it like this? Yeah. I mean, I feel like every time, especially like an Indian woman, and you're right, like there are so many like bells and embellishments and whatnot. You can't enter a room, like you can't tiptoe. Everyone will know that no. you're entering. <laughs> and no, the other, you, you're covered in like alarm alarms. Uh, yeah, that's true. Maybe that's why the maybe that's why they were designed that way to like alert the men. Uh, yeah, who knows? And I mean, I who I knows? still remember when I was maybe thirteen or fourteen, um, and I, I don't know what you call kanjak here. Like, how would you describe it? Like, you know that that ceremony where girls would go around. In different homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah I don't know how to explain that to our e- English-speaking <laughs> audiences uh, here in America. But basically, it was like a fest, you know, festival of sorts. And I remember if I visited someone after that ceremony, I would always leave like a little, you know, those mirrors you have in your dresses or like yeah. little gungrus. And they would, you know, I one of my friends would say that, yeah, please don't like leave your uh, paper trail. <laughs> <laughs> on your way, <laughs> on your way yeah. out. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Um, I was like I said, I was going through your website and I found your uh this really cute little graphic, you know, which is your life storyline, love. Yeah. Um, and I discovered that you know you first moved to the U.S. at the age of sixteen, uh, completed school by nineteen ninety eight. I was born in ninety two, by the way. Um, got married, <laughs> uh, had kids by two thousand three, and then you got into screenwriting and comedy. But in fact, comedy is a much more recent stint. You know, um, now. You're a lawyer who decided to pivot to something less mainstream in our part of the world, right? So, what happened in 2019 that led you to take that leap? Well, first of all, I was a really bad lawyer. <laughs> if, if I even got a client, I would be like, "Judge, she's guilty." Oh my god! <laughs> you know, so there was that. Uh, no, the real—that's the funny answer. The real answer is that I was looking around the world that we're in. I mean, the last few years have been like a, you know, like a bit of an awakening for all of us, especially mm-hmm. those of us in America. Yeah, I was looking around and thinking, what can I do that is unique, that no one else is doing, that mm-hmm. adds value, that can be a lucrative career? Because I'm also very clear that I'm an artist plus. An entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I have three children. I, I, I can't afford to of be course. pursuing an art if it's not going to lead to a career. Yep. Also, I'm just too traditionally mainstream Indian woman to do that. I'm, I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to do the equation of what is what gap are we missing in pop culture? And you know, I realized that all the movies at the time that were being written, like all the brown people were movies, so sad and heavy, stereotypical, especially yeah. movies about brown women. And you know, we have fun too. I mean, all that stuff is true about our lives, but we also know how to have fun. We know yeah. how to do things, mm-hmm. and uh, that got me started on the screenplay. And kind of that the questions within me kept growing, and my daughter actually helped me transition. To be very honest with mm-hmm. you, she knew I was just dying inside, trying to figure out what to do and how to do it, and I couldn't figure it out. And she reached out to people all over the world who knew me and said, "Can you write a me- a note, a memory or two of my mom that you have?" Mm-hmm. 
I think she reached out to people knowing that most people will send back a memory, something to do with me making them laugh. Oh my gosh, so and thoughtful. I literally got like a hundred notes <gasps> from people I haven't met in 13 years saying, she made us laugh when we were in high school. She made us laugh when this and that. And then it became clear to me that this is a gift that mm-hmm. I need to figure out how to pursue. Yeah. And then that journey started. I mean first of all your daughter is like so thoughtful. <laughs> I have never done something like that for my mom so I need to like after this recording figure out what I can do. No but that's amazing and um not that you need any validation but like I like I said I came across your video and my first thought was why am I seeing this now? Like have I been living under a rock? You know how is it that there's someone out there from from my country who's you know making ripples and i'm only finding out now so i'm so glad that your daughter kind of pushed you in that direction so please say thank you to her um now you know zarna where we are from again like india our culture is known for idealizing careers in the fields of medicine law and you know computer science so i know that your daughter pushed you in that direction but then what was that one defining moment or moments um where you you know were able to muster the courage to pivot to comedy from your other corporate career you know there's no moment there's like an inside voice that just won't get silenced it's mm-hmm. it's born out of desperation and for me and now i know that it's true of a lot of comedians even in america where comedy has been a career for many decades mhm No one grows up thinking I will become a stand-up comedian. That's just not true even true. of people here. It it's like there is this inner urge that is so strong that it just is waiting to explode out of you. Mhm. So the first day I took the mic for 5 minutes, people said you're a natural, you're a natural. And I and I understand now after having done it for a little while why they said it and why there was a big disconnect because it was inside me my whole life mm-hmm. it was just waiting to surface so it's not like i sat there and thought well i should become a lawyer or i should practice law it will make me more money it just couldn't be silenced anymore mm-hmm. it had to be done and and, and bo- sorry yeah please no go ahead no go ahead please Yeah so what was your um, family's response to you making this career shift um especially like your your in-laws your parents your husband your kids i know were very supportive but how did did, did it come at all with any judgment not at all i'll be honest with wow. you i have been blessed with the support of my husband first and foremost my children my in-laws who are so many of my punchlines they totally get what i'm doing <laughs> how cool they're so evolved they are so cool my own siblings my sister my brothers all of them and and my community my girlfriends my indian women friends yeah. i'll be honest when i started comedy i thought my five friends will come to see me i'll do one or two shows and that will be the end of it uh-huh but the first show i did there were 90 people in the audience who knew me <sighs> stop that i didn't even know and they were so excited that an indian woman was doing something and all i had was 5 minutes in a show that went on for 2 hours wow but they were so excited i mean i'll never forget the claps the whistles the hooting the hollering the cheering they were like the, i think our community is ready to laugh mhm 
Like, I think everybody is asking the question that you asked yourself. Like, why hasn't this happened before? And why? I mean, it's free. Yeah. It's free to laugh. You know how much content I put out for free on my social media, between my Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everything. I give away comedy for free because I just want a whole community to rally behind me. Yeah. I want them to know that we too can laugh at our in-laws and our husbands and they're mm-hmm. not too precious and it's not a big deal and it doesn't mean you hate them. Yeah. It's just another humorous way of looking at life. And what is life without humor? Like honestly, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy that we haven't done it so far. Yeah, and like quite frankly just as as someone who started podcasting very recently, well the Lavender Fix is my passion project. I haven't really looked at it from the lens of developing it into a business yet or you know like I when I was starting out which is it really like in May, I looked around you know my own in my own circle and I saw so many people had wonderful stories to share, stories of perseverance, stories of resilience and I felt this urge to document it all. So for me, I hope that someday I can uh you know make this into maybe you know a business you know register it do something of that sort but even you know if we talk about the you know the podcasting landscape in america for example you know it's still a white man's game and i'm saying that because i'm trying to draw parallels with what you said about comedy mm-hmm. um you know like um in fact there was this little research that uh quotes magazine or i don't know if it's a magazine or not exactly but they they said that you know of the 480 top podcast hosts um one in three were women only one in you know one in three and then even more stark was one in 10 appear to be non-white so for women of right. color it's crazier you know so we have to leave no stone unturned to push through the crowd and make it known that we exist right we need to insert Absolutely. ourselves in conversations where we're you know not mentioned and i think the onus is us uh, as women to take each other's name in rooms full of opportunities I agree completely I couldn't agree more and you know culturally that doesn't come easy to us mm-hmm. we are taught to be quiet we're taught to not be seen not be heard so it, it you have to defy your own grain a little bit to say no I do this and I can do it why don't you consider me right exactly but i think slowly but surely we are all making our way i think the scary turn that this world has taken in the last four years is a reminder that no one can afford to sit around quietly anymore mm-hmm. we all have to get involved right exactly um yeah and i mean kudos to you for you know taking that step i think a lot of us no to you as well listen i know it's not easy to get a podcast started mm-hmm. i know it's a lot Thank of work you. people think it's just chit chat Mm-hmm. It's not chit chat. It's so many little details involved before you can release a recording mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. promote it. And I'm very aware, so I'm very proud that you're doing it. Oh, I'm thank so you. thrilled to be invited and happy to support you in any way that I can. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I am dying to uh, attend your millions and trillions of. stand up shows and i hope that i'm able to be present in each one of them and um and i know that you're also doing some uh you know z- stand up sessions over zoom um mm-hmm. and that is something i will talk to you after this call because i'm really interested <laughs> yeah sure absolutely um so zarna how did you you know once you kind of established that okay this is it this is there is an itch i have to 
fulfill this uh you know this need that i have and also not just need like i have so many positive affirmations from people around me and this i was made for this how did you go about finding gigs in america like what was the first step you know there's a lot of power in deciding that you want to do something mm-hmm. so once i decided i'm going to look in this space seriously I started talking to everybody who knew anything about anything and somebody said and I went crazy on social media saying I want to do this does anybody know and before you knew it there was a friend who said you should talk to my friend who should talk to your friend mm-hmm. and you know friend led to friend and somebody said there is an open mic run by this lady Felicia Madison mm-hmm. and uh, why don't you go meet her and when I went to meet her honestly I had no idea what I was even going to say to her Yeah. But I thought what am I going to lose? Like I'm not going to learn by not meeting people. So I went to meet her and she like literally that day said, "Why don't you go up on stage and say something?" And I was God. like, "Something? Like what do I say?" And she's like, "Just say anything. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever you think is funny." Yeah. So I got up there and I said, oh "I God. clearly remember. I said, "White people do this?" Like <laughs> It never occurred to me that white people are gathering around basements of oh. restaurants and just like <laughs> ranting about their presidents and prime ministers and husbands and wives and yeah. jobs and dogs and cats and whatever and not just white people by the way every color of people now yeah and uh, it became a start you know and then she said okay you're really good but you need to do this and this come back in two days and do that and then one step one baby step after another mm Wow. You know, the ship started moving. Like this train kind of got on a track and started pushing forward. My gosh! If someone asked me to like get on, <laughs> I would cry. <laughs> I don't think you would. I look. It, I could say the same thing for your job. I could be like, if somebody told me to like record an interview podcast for like you know every week or every two days or yeah. whatever, I would die. It's a lot of work. Yeah. That's why you have to find what makes your heart sing mm-hmm. and then do that. Yeah. For me it's comedy, for somebody else it's cooking, for you it's this podcast, for a third person it could be science research. Yeah. We, the point is that all of us women have to find what brings us joy mm. and then dig deep into it and make a profession out. Yeah. Like get it out of the hobby zone and own it. Mm. and actually make a business out of it. Yeah. My confidence level by the way after speaking with you has really shot up. <laughs> Listen, I... I, you that could not you could not give me a better better compliment than that. Aww. The only better compliment than that is that I made you laugh. Aww. That's it. Everything else will work itself out like I don't worry about it too much but if people are hearing my story and feeling that they can do something mm-hmm. that there's no greater compliment i think the world needs more women to participate mm-hmm. it's such a desperate cry at this point yeah i agree 100% so if i can help one person move and move the needle i'm happy to be of service and i'm like there's so much gratitude in my heart towards you for that and women supporting women you know that's just it hits different um absolutely yeah so now you you were talking about like this first time you got up on stage um so was this your first uh, gig and uh, how did it feel like when you got on stage you know for that first time uh, did it go as expected what was the response from the audience like uh it was better than anything i imagined really wow uh, it was 
I felt totally comfortable because it was like looking at an audience and seeing all my friends. I was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. They all like me. That's why they're here. Yeah. You know, so it felt like a private conversation. It's like as if I'm making a joke with you privately and 90 other people are watching. <laughs> so it was better than anything. And what I realized, what I saw in people's eyes is that pride. Mm-hmm. That it For felt sure. like India is here. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because we're not like many of us, myself included, have been in America for 30 years now. Mm-hmm. You would think that that we're fully assimilated, and we are. My kids are American citizens; they were born and raised here. But still, that moment, and especially when I did my show at Caroline's, where I headlined my own show on Broadway, mm-hmm. it was three hundred plus people, and we Jeez. all felt like we brought a piece of India to America. Of course, of course, and had fun with it. Like mm-hmm. we weren't crying about it, we weren't complaining. We were having fun unapologetically. Laughing, singing, dancing—it—it—it. It, it, so it was unlike anything I had ever prepared for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and speaking yeah. of uh, the flavor of your comedy, you know, you address a lot of pain points as well. You know, when it comes to mm-hmm. the quirks of the Indian culture, um, especially like your mother-in-law jokes, which like I am just out of words. Like that's amazing that you have that equation with her. Um, how do you describe your? uh style and what are uh, let's say you know the top 3 social norms that you try to challenge through your art well first of all over over the whole world there's this perception that women aren't funny oh my god and yes and then indian women though for sure are not funny mm-hmm. and i challenge that because i think that that's ridiculous i don't think funny always has to be what is what is interesting to men mm-hmm. so if you see a lot of humor that is sold for example on bollywood or on indian tv women are the punchline meri biwi ne ye kaha oh my, my god wife i hate me it. do this you know what i'm saying So, and we as women sit in the audience and we laugh along with the men as mm. if that's the only way we can laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so I challenge that in a big way. I think I think I'm very funny, and I think I'm very funny to women who relate to me. And now, believe it or not, I have a huge male audience because I think even they're tired of making fun of women. Like mm-hmm. the evolved men, the men who want a better world, understand that that's not right. Right. Then the idea that Indian men are too fragile to take a joke—it's a joke. If you've been joking about Indian women for a hundred years, do you not think it's time that the equation be turned at least a little bit? Right. Like, do we not have a right to joke about them too? Mm-hmm. You know how many jokes? The most popular comedy show in India on TV, the number one TV show, openly makes fun of women and how fat they are. Yeah. Bollywood stars come and pinch them on the stage, and everybody laughs. Mm, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, you know which. I we I don't even need to name them. Yeah, I don't care. I I'm just talking about the culture of what is accepted. Yeah. So they can do that. They can insult a woman and get away with it. But if God forbid we say that Indian men are you know are lazy. Yeah, then God that's a forbid. huge problem. <laughs> like why is why is that taboo? It's a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean. So now I'm very, I'm very uh, clear that I'm going to be challenging this norm. And believe it or not, Indian men love my jokes. They, the They men should, who yeah. want a better world <laughs> understand that it's been one-sided for far too long. Yeah. And then it's of course the Indian in-law relationship. The idea that it's so sacred 
you know, mother-in-law jokes have been around for 50 years in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. It's just our culture that we are so scared we won't do it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a crime, people. Like, my own mother-in-law laughs about my joke and says that her mother-in-law was like that. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, I'm not sure I can... I'm not, like, it totally... De- <laughs> If my mother-in-law is listening to this, she's she she's probably like, um, actually, no, I'm just joking. Um, uh, no, that's that's phenomenal. And I, what you just said about men being way too comfortable with their wife jokes, uh, with their how long women take to shop and how they're obsessed with gossiping. Like, quite frankly, I have had several discussions with my dad where if I ever hear him crack a wife joke then it's fine i i accept it but i also make sure that i give him a piece of my mind which is okay so well if this is your thinking then this is how i feel about men and you in particular because <laughs> yeah. they need Absolutely. to get used to it you know i i just i i am not a big fan of uh, oh just ignore it no i'm not going to ignore it i'm going to take cognizance of it i'm going to acknowledge it and i'm going to give some of it back because yeah. if you're so comfortable uh, shitting on me, <laughs> then yeah. let me give you know return the favor, and that's totally fine. Um, as long as you know you take it in a light-hearted manner, and as long as like I know that there are some red lines and nobody's looking to cross them, uh, but that's true for any human being. It doesn't necessarily you know it's not just about men and women. It's about you know people who who are not gender confirming and you know stuff like that. Um, no, that's amazing. And I wish like that people really understand that it's it's fine to, to change the narrative and to crack jokes about men as well, like normalizing it. Um, you and I think there's something so special about you. And that's one of the reasons why I truly believe you literally like broke the Internet and you garnered over 13 million views, which to me, like, I don't even know how that's in. I don't even know. I have no words. Um, did you expect that your brand would grow into what it has become today? And I'm so curious to know, you know, how did this happen for you? Was it gradual? Did you blow up overnight? What happened? So I know the right thing to do is to be humble and be like, I had no idea. <laughs> but it's not true. Yeah, I, I was doing shows in real life, right? So yeah. I knew the effect I was having on people. Mm-hmm. And it's not like my effect as in I'm such a star, to be clear. Yeah. It was the effect of talking about something that is buried in the hearts of so many women mm-hmm. and so many people that was coming to the front. Uh, yeah. I really believe that if there were 10 other Indian women doing what I do, then maybe no one would care that I'm doing it. It's mm-hmm. just that I happen to be the first. Yeah. So I kind of poked it a little bit and like the feelings came flying out, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've been seeing it. So when I, uh, when my son helped me get on TikTok, he's like, mom, try it. You know, he saw that all my shows got canceled this year. It's been a very difficult year for comedians Mm -hmm. because all the clubs are closed and we just got word that clubs might be closed till the end of next year. Wow. So where do you perform? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I had to refund tickets. So I'm also a comedy producer. Mm-hmm. So he said, try uh, TikTok. And I was like, no, what? that's for kids. And he's like, try it, mom. And I remember when I put myself on it, I had no idea what I was doing. He helped me get a few jokes up there. I was like, all right, fine. And 
we woke up the next day and I was like fifty thousand views really the next wow. day and then the, the day after was like five hundred thousand and I really thought <gasps> that I was reading something wrong. <laughs> I would have flipped. That's insane. But but the comments I could tell like if you read if you go to my TikTok page and read the comments, mm-hmm. it's all the same. It's the same some version of thank God somebody is doing this. Yeah, please. Yeah. Thank God! Like, do more, do more jokes, put more jokes. It was like, it was like people have this unsatiable appetite. I can, I move faster than any comedian I know. In mm-hmm. one year, I've written over an hour and a half, and it's not fast enough for our people. Yeah, I know it's not easy. <laughs> like, you put can't put more jokes, put more jokes. I'm like, I'm trying with no clubs, <laughs> with no place to perform, where audiences are not allowed to get together. Yeah. I can only do so much and still like because you know why because the demand has been pent up for so long mm. people are so excited so I uh, you know and every and the thing is it started with Indian women but then I would have Filipino ladies come up to me it's the same in our culture black True. ladies it mean aunties in the black culture yeah yeah Chinese ladies South America like Before I knew it, I had unlocked like this whole reserve of women from all over, like this international cadre mm-hmm. that was getting excited about what I was doing. Yeah, no, I mean, of course, um, one person starts and then it's like a it's like a wildfire, you know. It's almost like a snowball effect where everyone else wants to, you know, it, it gives people the courage to put themselves out there. Once you start, it's like a movement. It's like a revolution. Um, Now speaking of TikTok I know that you know it's been one of your major kind of real estate platforms now since covid hit um so how do you feel about <laughs> this is like I don't even know if it's going yeah. to happen but the ongoing TikTok ban scare and and how would it affect you if the government decides to go ahead with it um i mean look i wouldn't be happy about it for mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm. i i'm one of the very few creators who's been invited to be part of the tiktok creators fund wow uh, as a, so tiktok has officially invited me to be a part of their fund they want to amplify my voice they want to help me so would i be happy if it is banned no of course not mm-hmm. but i believe deeply in my heart that i have a big purpose mm-hmm. and that that the next thing will evolve that that i will find the next step and roads will keep opening like mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur i face obstacles every day every day something new happens to pull me two steps back and then i have to find a new pathway and go two steps forward mm-hmm. so that is not new to me will i be happy if tiktok is banned no even in general aside from me it is such a wonderful platform for creators it's such a cutting edge situation mm-hmm. that i'll be sad for the world if tiktok is banned in america yeah i, I mean not i have no opinion on the political reasoning behind it because yeah. i have no idea if they're doing something right or wrong yeah. at that level but as a creator i'll be very sad because tiktok provides something that no other platform has been able to provide mm-hmm. it provides creators a voice and a boost in a way that's unprecedented mm-hmm. but personally for me i have a lot of faith that if not tiktok it will be something else yeah. and i will still find my audience yeah and you have such a strong like brand equity that you can carry it to any platform you know um and uh, quite frankly i don't really think that it's going to happen i just feel like there's a hype um 
but no deep down in my heart even though i'm not a tiktoker <laughs> for some reason i believe that it's not going to happen and let's hope that it doesn't um but how do you feel about you know about the fact that you are so popular on a platform that's primarily kind of ruled by the so to say the millennials you know do you do you ever feel the pressure to match up or to post at the same frequency and and stuff like that um i feel the pressure not from the millennials i feel the pressure for myself because i'm part of that community mm. and when i see the the young ones doing so much work yeah see when they post something what they're really doing is working mm-hmm. so then i get inspired like why am i not working more you yeah. know what i mean yeah i'm not competing post for post but when you see somebody doing a lot of good work you ask yourself why am i not doing more good work Mm-hmm. uh but i love my millennials i have a huge following with the teens and i know why uh they they love that i make fun of them see if you think of all the brown indian american comedians in america right mm-hmm. it's all one sided they make fun of their immigrant parents yeah my mom wanted me to be a doctor my dad this my mom this my mom that she mm-hmm. made me clean my room no one has really flipped the narrative yeah agree and and made fun of the kids and they complain mm-hmm. so my kids complain all the time now they want disney plus <laughs> yesterday they wanted netflix now they wanted espn and it's kind of they having fun with it yeah turns out that they're not that fragile either they're having so much fun with it i get dms and texts all the time from kids auntie auntie make sure you make a joke about this yeah <laughs> that is so cool so, uh you know i i do feel pressure but it's a good pressure it's like a pressure to remain part of an elite community of really hard working artists mhm don't discount people think that all the kids post i'm not speaking for all the kids but the creators who are creating a brand whether it's on tiktok or instagram or a podcast or whatever it's a lot of work to do it well mhm mhm and they are young kids they are 13 14 year old kids who are incredibly focused and passionate and working mm-hmm. so what looks like a dance pose actually has so much thought and planning behind it right and i'm in awe i'm in i'm in awe i have so much respect i always tell them i go you guys like really mobilize me to like get my act together every day truly Truly yeah I know like there are so many like Charlie Demilio Addison Rae yeah. you have all these people like literally they they blew up overnight but then there was a certain level of persistence that came with it you blow up and then you're confused what do I do you either step back you freak out or you decide to put all your energy into the game and you produce and you produce and and yes I agree with you like to people watching it seems like oh they're just doing like a random dance and here we are slogging uh, at our 9 to 5 jobs and you know but like if it's generating revenue for them that is work right so i really i really appreciate the, that specific point that you made about you know it's not just a dance you're working um now speaking of i know you said you know that they are working so hard they are creating all these dances they are so that brings me to my next question which is i'm really intrigued about your creative drill what is your ideation process like you know um now it's a little more structured Mm-hmm. The last year was very haphazard I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I would just sit and have random thoughts. What about this? What about that? But now it's like this past um uh, was it in August or Eid Al-Adha when Eid was approaching. Mhm. I got a lot of emails about inquiring about Eid shows. 
Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I sat down and I said, I'm going to write a five minute set about Eid. Funny things about wow. Eid. Then now I'm working currently on a set for Diwali. It's just five minutes, but five minutes of funny observations about Diwali. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So now it's a little more organized. And of course, there's always inspiration that strikes that you can't control. There's so mm-hmm. many times in the middle of the night, I'll, you know, I'll have an idea and I'll jump out of bed and I'll write it down. Really? I used How to be like, cool. Yeah, I used to think, I'll remember. And then the next minute, the only thing I remember is that I had a good idea, but <laughs> I can't remember the idea. That happens to me all the time. So I, I'm yeah, also the same. Yeah, it's all of us. Yeah. I've learned now my pro comedians when I hang out with them people who've been doing it 25 years tell me that they sleep with a notebook by their bed. Oh my god. Because the next morning you're not going to remember what what great idea you had. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. But now I'm a little more organized around events and things that I know are coming up. Mm-hmm. And then I try to write specifically. Even if I have two three great jokes about that Mm-hmm. then it makes it a little more custom for my zoom parties for these private events that mm-hmm. I do. yeah yeah no makes sense um i'm the same i try to keep like a posted pad around me not that i'm a comedian but just in terms of you know what who are the kind of people that i'm trying to interview or just even work wise sometimes you you know because i work in marketing so sometimes i come up with you know i read about an interesting strategy and i have to write it down so i think that's yeah i think structure comes with time um so yeah but now you're obviously a very creative individual and creative individuals are not always 24/7 high on energy i mean i think there's a very false perception that people who are funny they're always funny like even in their own lives yeah. right so what are some of the creative challenges that you have to deal with considering that you know generating ideas can be mentally especially very exhausting do you have your um, breaking points now i've become very reclusive i used to mm. be a very social like go here go there i just don't have the energy anymore because mm. for the reasons that you just said wherever i go people will be like tell a joke tell a joke tell one joke okay <laughs> do a speech do a two minute speech oh gosh you know and before i became a comedian i didn't care i would do a two minute speech because mm. i just said whatever but now my name is out there people record anything they upload it all over the place yeah and and because i'm producing the amount of content that i'm producing i'm just beat like by the middle of the day my brain can't even think funny anymore mhm so mm-hmm. i but what i've done is i've kind of just also it has helped believe it or not in some ways it has helped that when 2020 So no one really expects to go out, and I don't want to go out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm happy hanging around with my kids at home and just yelling at them for no reason. Uh, so you know it, what you've picked up on is true. I've heard other comedians say it. I feel it, mm. and I I don't know what the world will look like next year. To yeah. be honest with you, yeah. So you know, but my my personal mantra is that I'm going to be re-entering the socializing scene slowly. Yep. For all kinds of reasons, and not the least of which is just creatively, I'm not there. Like, I don't know anymore what to say to people when they say, "Be funny," mm-hmm. because I don't like that's not what I do as a comedian. I don't open my eyes and think, "How will I be funny today?" Mm. I just say what I feel like saying, and then people find it funny or not. Yeah, and I think you know it's you can't tell someone to be like you. You can't be creative if if you're asked to be funny. Like I think creativity kind of blossoms in places 
when you have the time and the space to think uh, and you know ideas come to you naturally like it can't be i actually interviewed another comedian on this podcast um a few months like maybe a month ago her name is andrea lopez um mm-hmm. and she she started that whole kardashian sort of celebrity impressions where she says one day after watching keeping up with the kardashians two day and her voice changes every time she says like two months after watching watching keeping up with the kardashians a year after watching keeping up with the kardashians um and i asked her the same question and she said to me you know it can get really annoying when you go meet your friends and they ask you to do a courtney kardashian impression like it's it like yeah. at some point you need the room to breathe and to declutter you know mentally and take a little break from the ideation process so i totally hear you um now when you were talking about you know i can't be funny all the time uh, and i know that we were earlier also talking about like one of the key norms that you try to challenge th- through your comedy is the fact that like you know indian women aren't funny uh, there was actually a study which was released in 2019 and it was called uh, sex differences in humor production ability and what it was um was that it was a meta analysis and it said that 63% of men uh were funnier than the average woman and what's so ridiculous about it is that this study looked at normal people it did not even look at like yeah. professional comedians i mean what if you you, know, you your sample has to include there has to be some uniformity you can't just like grab a random bunch of people and then compare them um so the overall sentiment of this report was that women aren't funny uh how does that make you feel like does it make you feel angry does it piss you off does it make you laugh <laughs> it makes me feel sorry for the people who wrote this dumb yeah. study i mean this this study on its face seems to have no logic or validity Mm-hmm. and you know what they can produce as many studies as you want but the but the proof is in the pudding if you look at social media and the number of female comedians that are on the rise uh so haha to the studies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah that's the one good thing that has come out of social media is that women have a voice that is amplified far greater than they ever imagined it could be 5 mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. you know women in every corner of the world even in the most oppressive societies are finding a way to make themselves heard it's not perfect but at least there's an avenue now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so these studies i don't take any of these studies seriously i mean half of these studies they 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 if you look at who they asked it's They're probably predominantly male <laughs> and moreover women will not openly admit i mean culturally we are openly shy to admit mm. what we like we we been so trained to live the life that men agree with mm. mm-hmm. so these studies are meaningless the truth is in what's happening around mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. look at facebook look at instagram look at all the ways to connect and see how much women are doing right so to me that's the study this study is meaningless i don't know who these dumb people i feel bad for them it's embarrassing <laughs> that they put this out there yeah i hope they didn't put their names I will look into that actually. Send you the <laughs> yeah, names. I and hope it's I hope it's anonymous. At least they can hide behind that. Yeah, they I hope so. Should be embarrassed putting a stupid study like this out there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just by the way that you were expressing your sentiment, I I do feel that, you know, comedians can sometimes speak the truth, not sometimes actually, most of the times speak truth truth to the society about, you know, the the things that are 
absolutely sort of going in the wrong direction or things that we don't want to face right so how do you use your art form as a megaphone to speak on matters that affect the society like do you intentionally insert certain things in your jokes where you feel like not trying to offend you but also trying to make a point here yeah i mean look this is all part of observational humor like no observation that is not at least a little deep and true will really resonate mm. the things that work like if you look at my tiktok the 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 jokes that have million to 3 4 million views are the jokes that are deep like the the you know i've never said i love you to my husband mm-hmm. even though i'm a happily married woman this yeah. makes everybody think but why yeah. and then and then all the agents start thinking she's right we don't say i love That's you true. this is not the life we live Yeah. Then all the people who say I love you think, but why don't you say I love you? Yeah. And what happens is our conversation starts around it. So, for example, <clears throat> I do a joke about water and the scarcity of water that that is getting a lot of attention all over social media, mm-hmm. and how like you know in America there are all these charities and whatever, but at the same time, only in America they fill gallons and gallons of drinkable water and they sit in it. These people while they're feeling sad. Mhm mhm I mean there are people in the rest of the world who are dying for one drop of drinkable water. Yeah. So this is not to judge at all because the world is the way it is for a reason. Mm-hmm. But it's to make you think that could we be living in a different way? Mm-hmm. Could we be living in a more integrated wholesome way? Mm-hmm. So I don't do humor just bashing India or Indian culture. I don't do humor just bashing America. I just have funny observations and mm-hmm. if that observation makes you think yeah that's fantastic. Hmm. But I do insert my opinions of course you know I I'm a mom also on top of everything I'm a mom I worry about the state of the world the same way everyone worries like what are we leaving behind for our kids. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my jokes do you know come from a very social uh, social observational space. Mhm mhm. Now coming back uh, to the subject of you know the pandemic um yeah. you know it has obviously you you mentioned that you know you your shows were cancelled and you kind of you had to issue refunds and uh, this these are very challenging unprecedented times and there are no answers on Quora or Reddit you can't really say how long does it typically take for a pandemic to kind of you know vanish um how has covid affected your work and what steps are you taking to overcome some of the challenges so i'm one of the earliest zoom comedians mm-hmm. i knew right away as soon as covid hit i was like this has to move to digital because people will need to laugh especially mm-hmm. when things get tough so i've been doing zoom shows since march and i've done hundreds at this point wow and uh, <clears throat> yeah and and now of course also outdoor comedy i do a show every week in new york city my own show mhm and i participate in other people's outdoor shows wow if you have the mindset that you're not going to wait around for the uh for conditions to be perfect mm-hmm. what your brain is going to do is start is constantly look for solutions right So of course covid had me upset and for a week i was really crushed like honestly i just shut everything down also i was really worried we were in new york city we still are mm-hmm. which was the epicenter of the epicenter for months mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. my kids everything got like messed up in one week so i took a week to regroup you know 
make sure everybody was safe and situated. And then I decided, okay, this is a new world and what am I going to do now? And mm-hmm. I started moving to digital. But that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal yeah. that you kind of <clears throat> thought of it right away that, you know, Zoom is honestly like I didn't even think about it. Like I don't think a lot of people still realize that that is something that they can do. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. the job that I'm in, you know, I the, the the most that happened for me was I moved to working from home. But I do understand that the industry that you are in, it's more about physical presence. And I think it's remarkable that you thought of it right away and you jumped at it and you started curating shows around this new virtual work reality. Uh, so that's that. Now, Zarna, if you were not a comedian, who do you think you'd be or what do you think you'd be? I I don't know. I'm honestly not that good at anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm a sure that's not true. I I like probably I would do something related to making people happy. I mean, I am a, an award-winning screenwriter. Absolutely, so that's an alternative. <clears throat> but since I started comedy, I'll be honest with you. I just the click is so perfect that I can't imagine doing anything else. Like, yeah, I honestly can't imagine it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the kind of jokes you come up with, there is a lot of thought that goes into writing some of that stuff. So I 100% agree. You would be heavily involved in uh, screenwriting and production and yeah. and Probably. That, that's my guess if I wasn't doing comedy. 100%. Um, yeah. All right. So, Zana, we've actually reached the end of this episode. No. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't even realize how quickly, you know, time went by. But all right. So yeah. this last section is called um, spill the sauce section. I just made that up. Uh, or the takeaway mm-hmm. section. Uh, so, Zana, what advice do you have for those who are trying to make it in the world of comedy, especially brown women? And what are some of the concrete steps that they can take to kickstart their own journey? So one thing I want any woman anywhere doing anything, not even just comedy specifically, is to completely understand and embrace the idea that no one knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is no one. Everybody out there is faking it. Everybody from the top to the very bottom. Mm. I mean, we can start from the president. You know, and and I don't, you know, I don't mean to, there's no reason to bash him in particular. He's getting enough of that. But the point is that there is no perfect time. There is no perfect moment. There is no perfect skill. Yeah. Everything starts because you take that first step. Mm-hmm. So if you have an inner voice or an itch that you want to do something, the only way to do it is to start doing it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is irrelevant. Honestly, I don't think even in the world that we are in today, it's not about the degrees. It's not about the fancy education anymore. People have can start with so little now. So there's no reason not to do it. And the second thing is, find your purpose, especially for women. Mm-hmm. Find that voice inside you that says, you are an equal part of this world. And what are you doing to make it better? Mm-hmm. You can bring a smile. You can bring a vaccine. You can bring a happy child. Like the women who are, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for 16 years. Raising children. If you're, if that's your contribution, that's your purpose. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do that and be proud and own it. It's a lot of work. Absolutely. Don't let anybody dismiss you. That what are you doing? You're not doing anything. Find your purpose, and your purpose will guide that next step. Mm-hmm. 
if you say to yourself this is my contribution to the world then all the next steps will become clearer you know mm-hmm. you will have the courage to take that next step because it won't be about you doing something it will be about you needing to do something to fix this world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any uh... and the world needs to be fixed i mean do do we need to now agree mutually all of us Yeah. This world needs to be 100%. There is no doubt in that. Um no, thank you. Those were some very powerful words. Um any any last words before we wrap up Zarna? Thank you. Aww. Thank you to you for inviting me. Thank you for giving me a platform. Thank you for saying that I'm even the smallest piece of empowering you and thank you for laughing a lot. I cannot be I'm a lot of things but above everything I'm grateful. Oh, Zarna like honestly the way you talk and the gratitude and just like you know you are where you are for a reason. You know it's you know the level of humbleness and how down to earth you it's are. It's not even humility. I actually believe every word that I'm saying truthfully. Like when you said that my words help you empower you like what better compliment is there? Mm-hmm. There are enough mm-hmm. lawyers in this world. Mhm. We need this, you know. Bring whatever makes you shine. If I can help you, that's why when you texted me, I right away said, "Absolutely, let's do it." You know, because yeah, whatever I can do to help another woman, especially a minority woman, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard enough mm-hmm. for us. Let's right. not fight this battle alone. Agreed. And you are, by the way, stuck with me forever now because we're going to be in touch. <laughs> uh, but thanks, Arna. I mean, I'm so glad we pulled this off, and I hope that I get to see you in New York soon. Uh, you're only like a couple of hours away from me, so hopefully, when things settle down a little bit, you know, uh, I really hope that we can catch up sometime. And thank you for being, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel for us brown gals. Uh, and I hope that when people listen to this episode, it pushes them to take that first step in whatever they're trying to do. Uh, I would also like to take a moment here to give a huge shout out to all our listeners for tuning yeah. in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, I will see you guys next week. Till then, chin up. Wow.